special episode of Deep Thrones Midweek Mayhem. Midweek Mayhem! I, of course, am Sims, your host Sheedy's online here too. What's up, Sheedy? Hey, how's everybody doing? And we also have a special guest, um, actually a super special guest because she is leading the TikTok efforts for Deep Thrones Pod. Uh, Kenzie is on the line. What's up? Hey, what's up? I think technically Kenzie is the very first like non Chris or me employee of Deep Thrones like officially like we joke we've joked throughout our history that people have actually like worked with us but they never really actually have. <laughs> yeah, they were all they were all contract employees. She's W two, so she's yeah. on, she's on she's, the payroll. She's on the books. Um, she's on the books. So so Kenz, tell us about your Thrones journey so far. Um, you know, are you a book reader? Are you a show watcher? Where are you at? <laughs> Okay, so I was kind of nervous about you guys asking me this question because I got into Thrones late. Like, I didn't watch it during college. I didn't even watch it right out of college. I started watching super late um, and mostly because of Deep Thrones. Like, everybody yeah. would... For a while there, I was kind of resistant to watching it just because it was so late and I knew it was going to take me so long to catch up. So I was like, meh. And I was bitter. <laughs> yeah. Meh. Yeah. I started... You guys started the podcast, and I was like, I want to be involved. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. honestly, I started late, and the only reason I started watching Game of Thrones was because of Deep Thrones, so it's okay. <laughs> it was all Chris's Chris's brain baby. So, I feel like I rewatched so fast that there's still some stuff that you guys talk about that I'm like, wait, when was that? What happened? Yeah. I was lost, but to give myself a little credentials for the harsh, harsh listeners out there who are wondering why the hell I'm here. Um, I did start reading the book. Um, what is it called? Fire and Blood. Fire and Blood. Blood. Yeah. Started reading that I, about halfway through. I'm caught up to like Viserys's reign and I've stopped now because I just enjoy watching the show unfold. Yeah. Uh, and I think it'll be fun to just go back and see where they made changes but my my other credential is i'm in a master's program for fiction writing so oh hell yeah that's what i'm gonna get myself that's, <laughs> like, hey I, that's I, fine i enjoy listening when you guys talk about where they've taken creative differences and all that stuff like my thesis was about adaptation from um written word to film so wow Hey, I'm if talking about when it comes to that stuff, so uh, I'll it, try to use that. If something time. you ever write gets optioned, you know, then yeah. you got to know how that works. You got to know the adaptation yeah. process. <laughs> what? So episode three just happened on Sunday. What? I think I gave it a six and a half. I think Chris gave it a seven. At the end of our discussion, Chris six. said you would have. You gave it a six. Okay. Because uh, mm -hmm. you, you. I think at the end of our discussion, you were like, I could have even gone lower. I rewatched it today and argued that I would actually bump my rating up to a seven. I, in hindsight, liked it a little bit more on a rewatch. Kinsey, what would you have rated last episode? Well, to be totally honest, I'm really bad at rating things. I'm pretty much, if I like it, it's a seven. If not, it's a five. <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah. I'm not good at this. Like, I don't get nuanced. If I really, really like something, it's a ten. It's, it's, like, yeah. It's like a, a seven is like a five, but it has a really good personality, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I it's true. Seven, like, I found some parts of it that I was like, hmm, like, yeah. for how much they spend on this show, they could have thought that one through, but um, I don't know. I, I'm going to go with seven. I'll go with seven. Perfect. Yeah. I, uh, I agree. I, I think um, a seven, six, I think we're all in that ballpark is, is pretty uh, – pretty good and i think chris's reasoning for six is fair too uh i think the stepstones battle was could have been better yeah yeah that was just something that i was really looking forward to since the beginning of the series um I, I mean if you go back and listen to some of our prequel episodes of deep thrones one of the first things i said was that i really hope that they show the war on the stepstones and for it to be done dirty in my opinion, like the way that it was, I, I just couldn't give, I couldn't go any higher than a six. Um, but you know, the rest of the episode was very solid. And I liked a lot of the dialogue. I liked some of the stuff that we'll get into later. So not, not all shame and doom. Yep. No, yeah. The episode was the off screen death of the crab guy. Yeah. Mr. Krabs. He like was another, could have been really cool villain. That's, that his death was just like super anticlimactic. Like, 
just like the right? night. <laughs> Not to bring it's, up. I, I think that. We're, we're going to continue to give the benefit of the doubt and not just, like, live in season eight. But, I mean, missed opportunity for sure, I thought. I want to live in, I want to live in season eight and compare everything to it. <laughs> and, I'm going, and I'm going to. And I can if I want. And I'm, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it. Um, so, Chris, the first thing we wanted to talk about that you had stressed you wanted to talk about was the uh, sort of the extent or, I guess, the vastness of the hunt shoot. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, before we dive into that, though, I wanted to uh, just jump back to last week's episode, episode two, and that scene with Brainus and Rhaenyra. Um, and, you know, we we both expressed that we thought that that scene was one of the hottest moments in the episode. Yeah. But, Kins, you had some opinions. She had a different take than we dynamic. did. Yeah, I hated your guys' take on that. <laughs> like, I think I think Rhaenys is a baby back bitch. I think... <laughs> Oh, I mean, obviously midweek mayhem. <laughs> You're talking about what, the queen that never was. Yeah, the queen that never w- was is bitter. She's just, I think, I, I mean, you can obviously interpret that scene very, a couple of different ways, and we'll see who's right in the end. But I think she's just going to, rather than be an asset to Renera and be like, hey let me turn around and help a woman get on the throne just to break the cycle. She's going to be bitter about it. And she's going to get True. in her way. She's going to be one of those ladies who, instead of wanting yeah. to see another lady succeed, is like jealous. You're saying. Yeah, absolutely. I, I said it to you guys in, in text, but it, she's got the whole like vibe of the people that are saying, Oh, student loans can't be forgiven. Yeah. Because I paid mine in full. Yeah. Randy says, no iron throne for you, madam. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like, yeah, if I can't have it, no one can. And right. I think that's how she's going to be. And I also think that because of Game of Thrones, everybody has always got an agenda. And I think her agenda is like, I want the power or my family to have the power. So I think it's like, yeah. yeah. That's an interesting take. I uh, The way I saw it, and again, you're right, it can be interpreted so many different ways. I think me and Chris agreed on this was it was – we saw it as her just like speaking in plain terms, you know, just being like, hey, I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to level with you. This is how it is. And uh, I think Otto almost reiterated it in episode three to Allison when he's like, if like, I'm not saying Rhaenyra is going to be a bad queen. I'm just saying the existence of her as a queen will create problems for the realm, uh, which I think speaks also to the patriarchal society that, you know, this medieval world and, and of course reflects even in the real world. And I, one thing that I'll focus on is something that you said at the very end of, of your opinion, Kins, was either it, she wants she wants her to succeed or her family to succeed. And I think, you know, they are family. Um, so maybe that may come into play at some point in time. Also, you know, the Valerians may end up, I mean, Corliss Valerian's working with Damon right now, so... You never know how these allegiances are going to end up, and it's going to be interesting to see them all play out. And Corliss and Damon uh, were pretty tight, too, it seemed like. Like, they were keeping it real. Like, he, Corliss was pissed when Vayman was, like, talking shit about Damon. Yeah. yeah I that, feel like Rhaenys has already had so many times when she could have injected and been like, hey, your family, I'm going to help you out. And instead, she's been, like, hmm. like looking from the rafters, judging, and and not helping at all. Like she's, no advice. She's a viper. She waits yeah. and then she strikes. <laughs> Interesting. All right. I think well, she will like actively try to stop. That's my prediction. I think she will actively try to get. Interesting. Into well, I'm, I'm well, curious to definitely see. Definitely keep an eye on it. Yeah. Next week's episode is the fourth episode called uh, "King of the Narrow Sea," and it looked like she was. And she's going to show up in that episode because she wasn't in that last episode at all. So hopefully. We get more Rainey's action. Uh, Chris, now do you want to jump into the vastness of that hunt shoot? Yeah, so I actually I took some notes. I was watching like the I think it's called How the House Was Built um, that HBO does, but this is kind of a behind the scenes, and they're talking about how how much effort and detail they put into this hunt scene, and they started with a ton of research on medieval hunts that had kings and queens at them. Uh, they would say that thousands of people would go with them. Not just like the lords and ladies, but also, you know, retainers, servants, um, camp followers, just massive host of people on these hunts. And so the cast or the crew actually hired 118 actors that were just, you know, just part of the actual cast. And then they hired another 12,000 extras, which 
twelve. I heard twelve thousand. I was like, there had to be some sort of like mistake. Like maybe they're talking twelve hundred. They said twelve thousand extras over the course this, of the hunt shoot. They filmed this in twenty twenty two. So House of the Dragon was definitely a super spreader event. So that's crazy. Now, <laughs> now I don't think that they clearly didn't have all twelve thousand extras there at once. But over the course of the shoot, and they also had like a massive rainstorm that happened the morning of the shoot. So they spent months preparing for this. Um, had 12,000 people in and out, and then they just had a massive snow or rainstorm um, the morning of the shoot. And they still, the show went on, they still got it done. Um, so it was it was very cool to watch. Wild. I, 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 the hunt was so weird to me. Uh, it's just such a weird concept. Like, what's the joy of like, hey, we captured this thing. We're going to hold it down. You take that spear and you stab it. Like, have at it, chief. It's it's just a weird concept. Kinsey, me and Chris talked about it. Like in, in like while we were watching it, we were like, "What? D- did you agree with that?" I mean, Robert Baratheon, he wanted that boar mano y mano. I mean, he lost. But then you look at King Vis- What's that all about? Yeah, I feel like boar hunts have like a long history too in in Greek myth. It's like a classic um, royal festival, <laughs> a thing to do to like win. You would do to like win a lady's hand in marriage too. Yeah, you just bring her dad like a dead boar, and you're like, this will feed you for weeks. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, they're bored. But I, I saw this online. I wanted to, this was one of my, like, hot takes that I wrote down. I saw this. What did you guys think about the fact that it was a stag, which is like a Baratheon, that was killed by a Lannister lance? Yeah. Yeah, um, that's true. I, so we, we mentioned, and we didn't mention the Lannister Lance aspect. And a Targaryen was thrust in it. There was a lot of elements yeah. there. You know, what it means. Yeah. It's, um, I, well, I don't know. I, I know how the story plays out, so, you know. But I, I think even. Like, premonitions and whatnot. I do think this show, though, has done a good job of reflecting Game of Thrones in sort of, in the first three episodes, we've seen tips of the cap to that series, and I think maybe this, in its own way, is another tip to the cap, like the Lannister lands, for instance. Uh, the Lannisters will be involved in whatever way they're involved in the Baratheons in this particular story, but you're right, that specific symbolism of a Lannister lance stabbing the stag, which of House Baratheon, I think is pretty cool. Uh, and just sort of speaking, Chris, to the, the vastness of how, how, how the extent they which they went to, to build out this show, uh, the set for the beach battle you found out was man-made. Yeah, so again, you know, if if you guys are listening to this pod, you obviously have a high interest in House of the Dragon and probably Game of Thrones brought you here as well. I would highly recommend watching, it was, it was a 20-minute um, kind of extra bonus content on HBO, but again, it's called house that what built the house or something like that but um check it out they built this beach because they couldn't do this the excuse me they couldn't couldn't do the shoot on an actual beach because the tides would wash up so you would have to kind of reset the shoot every time you were getting through it and it was such a long and extensive shoot that they decided to just take the middle the easy road and just build a beach an entire beach it's they awesome. built um, the background with like the cliffs in the background, and basically, you know, as an actor, that makes your job a shit ton easier because yeah, you're in that world, like you're literally there, you're immersed in this world, and um, I mean, just the level of detail in there is incredible. That's that's one of the things that frustrated me about the effects is I also saw that they did this thing where some of the uh, Valerian soldiers had like maces and what they did was they filled it with them with fake blood and they were very like thin plastic so when they crushed them on guys steel it was like real blood spurting out and the the, thing i watched on youtube this guy sort of breaks down the episodes thought very highly of the episode but he also sort of judged the daemon scene and he also judged some of the practical effects because he's like if you look at the cgi the blood looks so red and ridiculous but if you look the fake blood that they were using when they crushed guys they said it looks so cool and so real that it's that weird sort of, you see that, and then when a guy swings a sword, since you can't do it with a sword, it's like super red and like spurting out. And it's just something that also, you know, I think it's it's an easy fix and stuff, but it is something that uh, if you have a keen eye, you notice. I didn't really, I didn't notice it first watch. I noticed it second watch after seeing the yeah. YouTube video. Well, they also, they mentioned that those guys are actually like getting hit. Like, granted, it's kind of like almost as thin as a balloon. It's so like it's an egg, yeah. But they're, but they're still getting hit, like, multiple times throughout the day. So they mentioned that that's why they have to um, rotate out a few extras, too. 
<laughs> just beat the shit out of him. I got CTE, a football career as an extra at House of the Dragon. Extensive yeah. House of the Dragon. It sucked to be one of the extras that like your tape didn't get in, and you just got whacked. <laughs> yeah, we had to cut you, man. There was too much. You left you on the the cutting room floor, but you did great. And he's like his eyes wearing an eye patch. Um, it's like I was an extras extra in House of the yeah, Dragon. I was a backup extra. Um, just yeah, third string, yeah. third string extra. <laughs> Chris, what, I, I have a question about like we're watching this in like um Hobart Hightower which I, I gotta correct myself I called him Alton Hightower the entire I was like his name's Alton for sure it's Hobart whatever that's Otto's older brother like yeah yeah he, he's like Alton Brown he's such a know-it-all um what's the importance of the second name day he said his infancy is over that kid is too he's got he's still dribbling all over himself yeah so the chances that you live or die are significantly greater as far as like living goes once you reach age two. Oh, from like medieval society. Yeah. So, and I'm pretty sure there's something similar only in modern day science. It's probably a lot like maybe if you last over a year, like six months or something, probably a lot more condensed. Um, But, you know, the survival rates of infants back then in this medieval fictional setting is not very high compared to specifically today um so that it's huge that this is Aegon's second name day people show up expecting for him to be announced as the heir because he's most likely going to survive now yeah for sure and kinsey i don't mean to put you on the spot again this is a medieval world all right i'm not saying does kinsey in 2022 agree with this but what did you think of otto hightower suggesting potentially that Rhaenyra marry Aegon would fix a lot of problems that we see going forward. You know, what did you think of that? For Targaryens, that's not weird. That's like, oh, yeah, it's, a, it's something we consider. Yeah. And, and like, for the other thing about the Targaryen tradition, it, I read since I read the book, um, it seems like the realm has rejected that kind of thing before. Like, they have, oh, yeah. even though this is a world where the tar- tar- like incest happens. <laughs> the realm has really pushed back on that and they've only gotten away with it by being like, oh, well, the Targaryens are closer to gods than humans. So for two reasons, I hope it's not Aegon. I think, uh, I think, first of all, what's his name? Lenore. 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 Lenore Valerian. I think he's a hot guy, babe. And I think he would tie them, like tie up some loose ends as well. He would cause some peace. Yeah. And um, and too, because I don't want the realm to like revolt again about Targaryens marrying Targaryens. Yeah. So, but I, then, yeah. but then you're setting up poor Rhaenyra. Rhaenys is her mother-in-law for life. Then you know it's tough. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Hmm. Yeah. You know that, that's a great point that you brought up. Targaryens, they, they do say they're closer to gods than men and they want to keep their bloodline pure. But the realm is, they worship the seven, which that is considered, incest is considered a very uh, egregious sin. That's why that Jamie religion. and Cersei, it was like, mm-hmm. yeah. Hell no. Yeah, especially by then, especially like once the Targaryens fell out of power. So, yeah, that's, that's actually very uh, good insight there, Ken. Thank you. Uh, Chris. Another, another thing people you're killing it another thing people are talking about is the the bard scene uh the guy the little guy on like the the tree singing while Rhaenyra before Allison oh, comes yeah. and interrupts it do, so is hot take is that do you do you have a hot take on who that could be dude I I saw that like as soon as that came on scene I was like oh my god are they are they putting mushroom in here uh, she's so Allison called him Samwell yeah so it's it's definitely it's not mushroom definitely not mushroom but when i first saw him on screen that was the first person i thought of um again for those who haven't listened to the prequel episodes of deep drums by and share please but second of all mushroom was one of the main sources of all of the uh viserys's reign and the subsequent dance of the dragons in fire and blood so mushroom is supposedly one of the closest confidants to um the later Rhaenyra not so much the young Rhaenyra growing up did they ever say Um, his name in the books or was he just known as Mushroom 
he was just known as Mushroom. Could be Samwell. We don't know. Yeah, it didn't really fit the physical description, but it could be. Yeah, they could be. Even uh, next week, him. and like on the next week on House of the Dragon, there was like a street performer uh, talking about who yeah. will it be. The that seems like a mushroom thing to do. I feel like they might kind of do a lot of nods similar to this bard scene. Tips um, of the cap. I think they might continue doing nods to people that maybe could be mushroom or like fit a similar character description yeah i don't know that it necessarily serves the plot to add mushroom to the show but i don't know we could see yeah i don't know they got a lot of like 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 kinsey was talking about there's a lot of creative freedom and wiggle room with adaptations that we'll see how they do what about uh we finally were introduced to the clubfoot uh laris laris strong yeah Larry strong. Uh, and he's constantly i think you pointed this out when we were watching he's constantly like next to people who are gossiping and we talked about yeah. this in the pre-show. He's the one who builds up the spy network. Uh, tell us about that. Which I didn't notice on the first watch through because I, I think I was like taking notes on what Lady Kira Redmine was saying. But he in that scene says, "Oh, ladies, forgive me. My, you know, basically saying he's crippled and needs to sit down. And he just happens to sit down right as these lords and ladies are talking about very high-profile um, overseas wars and things like that." So he's a little sneaky. He's going to listen. He's going to give reports. I think uh, definitely someone to keep an eye on. He's sneaky, but he's not. going to increase. He's not slippery, though. He's like a weird version of sneaky because, like, Baelish was slippery. Like, he would slide in and out of the clubfoot. You're going to hear him coming. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. So, it's, so he's sort of. So that's why I guess it's important that they show him really putting in the work to build this spy network out. Um, and I, yeah. do, I do like that. They didn't give like a big, boisterous introduction to him as a character. He came in already being sneaky, which you know, if you don't even know who he is, if, if, like if you hadn't read the books, you probably wouldn't even pay attention to him. That person, um, Kinsey, that he was on early on. Is there anyone that when you look at them, they're on screen, you're like, I don't like them, I don't trust them. Like, who's your Baelish right now? Who's like your oh that guy? Oh, other than Rainies, other than Rainies, is there a second? <laughs> Here's a hot take. Um, at first, I thought Damon. I thought that was a terrible casting. <laughs> yeah, me too. I think we all did. Yeah. But at first, I was like, "Come on!" I wanted this guy to be hot, and this guy Matt has no no freaking eyebrows. How can you? He's got a. He's got. He looks like one of those Stonehenge ga- hedge guys. You know, like yeah. the or like the heads on Easter Island. He looks like one of those guys. Oh yeah. He's got a really yeah. f- bony so face. I was like, how am I going to get behind this character? I, how am I going to root for this man? He has no eyebrows. He's sneaky, it seems like. But um, that guy's got swag, and he definitely fucks. And yeah. Yeah, that's I'm all true. Here first. Kids what do you... will never follow a man with no eyebrows. They, they just <laughs> can't trust them. It doesn't matter your leadership skills. There's no future no in it. Yeah. yeah. Kinsey, what do you think of Otto Hightower? Because I love him. I Are you as on the Otto Hightower hype train as I am? I think he's... Just, well, I think he's one of the best politickers we've seen Ooh. in Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon. Like he's politics is politics. Like he can play the game. I think he can play the game, and I'm always super suspicious of somebody who's playing the game and so far strictly he's, for his own game. He's very suspicious, but he is like he's like was born to be a politicker. Like he is Bill Clinton. He's yeah, doing. He's like, hey, what's going on? To me, there's a large <laughs> difference between him doing politics in that guy i think his last name is strong he's from how strong yeah i don't care yeah like they uh strong okay he seems to actually be doing what's like might be best for the realm but Otto just seems to be doing what's best for him and his house yeah he's killing it he's doing great i totally agree (laughs) no chris chris hashtag team black hashtag team greens chris tell us about the uh the white heart um that wasn't in the books at all. It was the show's idea completely. And you said it comes from a medieval concept. Yeah. Um, so, again, when they were doing this research on the medieval royal hunts, uh, one thing that kept coming up was the significance of a white heart, which is basically a massive white buck, like all white buck, an albino buck, I guess. It would be albino, right? If it's white. But Cauc- we prefer know, Caucasian. But, uh, but yeah, so they, they decided to add that in. I was kind of thinking that, you know, maybe it did have something to do with Baratheons. 
But when I went and rewatched, or not rewatched, when I went and watched the behind the scenes, they said that that was something they came across on their research and decided to add that in and yeah. intentionally uh, put it in that scene with Rhaenyra um, to contrast the stag scene with Viserys. Yeah, it goes without saying, but we'll reiterate it. I think we said it on Sunday, but obviously they were saying, like Otto said it to Viserys, the white heart on this day of all days, what a symbol, but they never found it, and Rhaenyra did. And if it reflects, you know, someone who is royal or deserves to be royalty, that obviously is heavy symbolism. And Chris, the stag that they stabbed was two guys in a, was two guys in a horse suit? What was that? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so they had these little guys, they, they called them the Blue Man Group, like legit, they called them the Blue Man Group, but these guys would throw on Blue Man costumes, and one of them, one of these poor guys was the ass of the stag that was getting killed by Viserys, and then the other one was the front. So when you go and watch the behind the scenes, one guy's bending over, like, holding on to the guy in the front. Well, human centipede, actually. <laughs> and, uh, and the other one's, like, tied up, like, trying to get out. It did look like human centipede. Was very, that actor very has that on his reel, and he's, like, showing it to agents, like, check this out. I was in House of the Dragon. <laughs> Killed so when it. Human Centipede Five comes out, you know who's going to be the the bottom. That guy, yeah, that guy. Um, I, I I wanted to talk about uh something that we discussed, Chris, which was and Kenzie jump in on this as well. Uh, the end of the episode, he swear uh, Viserys swears on Emma's life or on on her grave that on her memory, he's like, I'm not going to supplant you. You will be the heir. So regardless, Viserys is set in stone. He's sticking with Rhaenyra. Obviously, going forward, we'll see events happen that create tension and, and lead to what we know as the dance of dragons. But genuinely from his perspective, is that the right move? Kinsey, let's start um, with you. Cause we know, yeah, I think we know where Chris yeah. stands on this. Cause he talked about it on strategy with Lord Mims, which was probably not the right move. Just in that world, we all agree it's terribly sexist and misogynistic. But Kinsey, what do you think? I think it was the right move. I think Rhaenyra, I think is going to be a great queen. And I think she's got all the makings of a great queen. So I think it was the right move, even though it it's not status quo. Like what, what it comes down to is, is how it plays out. And if he stands his ground or if he keeps being like a wishy-washy little, you know, bitch. Yeah. But <laughs> what, but what happens, I think the fear is, is what happens when Viserys goes? What I mean, we all meet our maker eventually when Viserys inevitably meets his. Uh, it's, you know, what if the realm just is like, nah, you know, I think that's what people are worried about. And that's sort of what Otto expressed to Allison, you know. And it depends yeah. if he strengthens her reign and if she proves herself, maybe. I don't know. Like, we, it's hard to predict it. That's a great point. I think there are, you're right. If he, there are things Viserys could be doing actively, I think, Absolutely. to make Rhaenyra seem stronger. Chris? That's and and that's that was going to be my point is if he's going to continue to double down on Rhaenyra, you cannot then when she's interjecting in the small council with her opinion, you well, can't just send she her can't away. be a, she can't be a cupbearer anymore. Have her yeah. sit at the table. Sit sit at the table. Show let her give a chance to show that she's capable, that she's a leader, that the realm will be in good hands with her at the helm. And for Viserys to like I said, continue to push her claim. But then also not listen to her opinions or not have her, you know, make any sort of policy decisions or anything. I mean, when when Damon was her age, he was like master of laws or something when he was first on on Viserys' small council. So, you know, you you have to kind of give her some actual power. Yeah. If you don't if you if you don't want the realm to be like she can't lead us. Listen, everyone that I've seen on House of the Dragon, everyone I've talked to, everyone loves Rhaenyra. Everyone's all in on Rhaenyra. I think we're all being real Jon Snows about her. She's a, she's my queen. She is my queen. <laughs> I love Rhaenyra. I just think that what Otto's saying to Allison, if if you if you know if you're trying to avoid war, and if he is right, then that's going to set up just massive conflict. Um, and Chris, another thing that we wanted to talk about was uh, we were introduced to the Valerian family a little bit more. Um, and one of which was Vaymon Valerian, who really was a little mouthy and a little lippy, and also went above their heads and yeah. sent that letter to King Viserys. Yeah, um, so Vaymon Valerian is really an embodiment of a younger son in a very wealthy family. Now, if you guys remember, 
Corliss Valerian was the one who brought the prestige and the wealth to House Valerian. So Vaymond is kind of a recipient of that and just kind of coattail rider. So, of course, he's more proud and loudspoken, like he's walked the walk. But really, he doesn't have anything that he's brought to the table personally. Um, we'll meet his sons in later episodes, unless they kind of do the thing where they combine characters right. um, sometimes. But, you know, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. I don't know that I can say too much else, but um, he's definitely a proud personality, but hasn't really earned anything that he's talking about. Yeah. So definitely something to keep an eye on in the next episodes. And Kinsey was talking about HGB, um, Vayman's nephew, Corliss's son, uh, Lenor Valerian, who we now, we the last time we saw him, he was much younger. He's three years older. It's a different actor now. He's the teenager version of himself. Um, and he is, uh, he was getting after it, man. He was really, I loved, that was one of my, the highlights of that fight for me, was seeing sort of the chaos on the dragon of him. He was screaming Dracarys multiple times uh, at one point. Uh, sea smoke, which Chris thankfully corrected me last episode. I kept saying like I think Silverwing, it was Sea Smoke, like whooped down and like picked guys up and like flung it with its talons, and he was like super hyped about it. So I, I really liked Lanor's introduction. Yeah, he's badass. He's, he's heard it here first. He's, he's got the badass stamp of approval. Boom, <laughs> badass. We need like he's graphics, like <laughs> badass with Maybe. a hot ass. What? <laughs> Can I confirm his ass? Yeah, he was in armor. You are. That we have to put that under the speculation category, Kinsey. We stick to facts on this podcast. That is mere speculation at this point. Objection, objection, speculation. Speculate. It could be, but we just don't know. Okay. Again, another another character introduction that I like though is is showing that he can actually back up what he's saying and and you know walk that walk. A lot of a lot of um, a lot of characters aren't gonna you know roll up their sleeves and do the dirty work. So yeah, so far so good on Lenor. Yeah, like Laris Strong, he didn't really walk the walk. He sort of uh, drug the club foot <laughs> and then sat down and, and was sneaky. Yeah, uh, and I think the final oh. thing. What's up? Sorry, it was also his plan to bait the crab eaters with Damon. That's right. It was all his plan, and and Damon definitely looked at the table, saw the battle plan. And then decided to go with that plan when Viserys was going to back him up. So he like didn't really call an audible. He just followed Lenora's plan. And again, Matt Smith has one line in the episode. It's the very beginning when he's like, "Where are you, Crab Theta?" But at the end there, when he looks at the letter and he lets out that like little smirk, and you're almost in your head, you're like, "Oh, he's happy that Viserys is sending men." And he's not. He's sort of like this prick. And he's like, "I'm going to go." <laughs> he's like, "I will either die right now, and we lose." but at least I won't have to deal with this guy sending help or we'll win and I can be king of the narrow sea. And obviously he pulled it off. So again, I think that's why the more and more I watch it again, Chris, there's a lot of Matt stuff. Smith we, Emmy. Yeah. Matt Smith Emmy heard it here first. And I think uh, Kinsey, I want to, we wanted to ask you about the Rhaenyra Allison relationship. Chris, I think you had the question that you wanted to ask about that. Yeah. They, they had that tense scene in the Godswood where we talked about the bard um, and, and it, just from looking at it, it seems like Renera is past the relationship and the hatred is very much there for her. All right, Kenzie. And uh, so from your perspective, do you think that that relationship between Allison and Renera can ever bounce back or do you think it's dead? I'm not going to say that for sure it's dead, but I think that, so like three things. I think Allison is like, she, she likes her position and she likes her power. I think that uh, that's what I'm reading from that character. So I think, like, there is that part in in the after. What's it called again? Sorry. It's like <laughs> the uh, the house that or the the house that was built. It built the yeah. house. Whatever you get behind it behind the scenes where the actress <laughs> like <laughs> where the actress who plays Alison. Am I saying that right, Alison? Alison. 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 Yeah. Um, when she, the actress that plays her was saying, oh, you know, she's she's not really going to see Viserys because she's sexually attracted to him and trying to sneak in there, but because of out of the kindness of her heart trying to console him. And I'm like, bullshit. Like, no, she knew what she was doing. She, her yeah. dad was going to set her up to do that. She Otto. Wanted, yeah. And then so then I think the reason that she's being so nice in public and sort of in in private and trying to like win Rhaenyra back 
is because she feels guilty for going behind her back. Like, I think she's trying to repair this relationship out of guilt and not a, out of her love for Rhaenyra. Yeah. And I think mm. she does, but I will say she does d- defend Rhaenyra in private. So, uh, so maybe she will go the extra mile to repair it, but it's going to be on her. And I think in the, my prediction is that in the end, she's going to choose her children and her heirs over Rhaenyra. That's that's the the children tend to win out in those situations, and also I think that we were talking about it before. There was that weird tension between Rhaenyra and Alicent in the first two episodes too, that led to people yeah. hinting at maybe Rhaenyra liked Alicent in a deeper way, you know, than just friendship. So there's a lot of layers and elements to that that the show sort of touches on that the books probably don't, right, Chris? I don't know if that's really right. touching the books. Yeah, I mean, from the from the perspective of the books, there's no. There's no way that they would know about any behind the doors, relation, behind closed doors relationship of Rhaenyra and Alicent. And there is a vicious rumor next week that gets leaked, apparently. And the uh, next time on House of the Dragon, uh, there's some gossip going yeah, around. Yeah, Viserys gets very upset. We theorized about some sort of whispers. We theorized what it could be about. It wasn't about that, but what if it was? What if it was the queen and the princess were an item? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't think that that would be a thing, especially since Allison is still currently pregnant. Why don't you just? I, dream, I, I don't know. Why don't you just dream a I little? Mean, Why don't you live a little? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, while that would be cool, I don't. I don't foresee that being. What I think the, it was our other option was. that we thought it was potentially. Um, however, I will say this before we move on. I do think that there, of course, Allison and Otto set themselves up to be chosen as queen. And you know, family of the king, grandpappy. However, however, when Viserys chooses Alicent to be queen, at that like she can't really say no, right? So you know, maybe that sucks. I mean, you can't say no to the king, right? So it's like maybe Rhaenyra should should understand that aspect of it. Um, but like she went behind her back, and you have to assume that eventually Rhaenyra figured that out. And yeah. you never see on screen, you never see Allison apologize. And so you must assume that she didn't. It, it, we also yeah. assume it was a half year of them courting each other. And not once yeah. she was ever like, hey, Rhaenyra, I've been hanging out with your dad. It's been fun. He's been showing me his dragon <laughs> toys. <laughs> like, his Legos. His Legos of old Valeria. You know, like, even if Rhaenyra doesn't know the extent to which she was courting her dad, like, she must have figured out, like, that they started a relationship. This wasn't out of the blue. He chose her best friend. So yeah. she's got, a, like, probably got some deep-rooted anger and feelings, especially if she had feelings for Allison. So yeah. That's really I think Allison will have a long way to go to try and repair it if she does. But I'm not saying that the relationship's dead. I think it's a really cool aspect of the show. I hope they keep trying to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, that leads us to our final segment of the day. Since football season is here, Chris is a big football guy, we're going to be doing a NFL fantasy draft, but only four positions. Four positions. We're going to be drafting a quarterback, so who from House of the Dragon we think would make a great quarterback a wide receiver, a running back, and a defense. Now, I had a question, Chris. What if someone drafts a quarterback that I was going to draft as a running back? Is that person off the board? Yeah, yeah. So one one person for this entire draft. So if someone takes Viserys Targaryen <laughs> he's gone. as any position, he's off the board. All right. So let's And we all have to draft the same position at the same time just because it's going to get too confusing if we don't. So we'll yeah. start. Let's start small. Start with defense. Okay. Who would like to go Defense first? Defense wins championships. That's true. Uh, we'll let the Gus we'll Kinsey, let the go what house or what entity would you like to be your defense? Okay, so I thought about this. Or entity. <laughs> okay. Um, so I thought about this. At first I was going to go with House Strong because I heard about his son, like, Sir, what was it, Sir Harwin Strong? Breaking. Harwin Strong. Yeah. Yeah. That guy sounds badass. Uh, but apparently there's a curse on the House Strong, so I decided not to go that direction. And I'm going with House Westerling because Sir mm, uh, Harold has a long-standing, long-standing member of the King's Guard and his sworn shield to Rhaenyra. That's great. He seems like a, a good defense. That's great, Chris. If they're alive in the world, is that cool? Even if they're not necessarily shown in House of the Dragon, I think so, right? Yes. All right. Yeah, good. All right, good. good. All right. Go ahead. Your turn. 
<laughs> Which that's a perfect setup for my pick. Well, wait. So I'm gonna go. <laughs> Maybe I should pick. I want to go with House Stark. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, and the reason I'm going with House Stark is they made an oath to Rhaenyra, and they're sworn to protect her. Starks don't break their word. They're they're you know very very stubborn as we saw in Game of Thrones. And they're going to play an important part, maybe not this season, maybe not next season, but they will play a very important part in the story. So my defense is the Night's Watch. Oh, it's their jo- it's, it's literally their job. Those dogs, they defend. You know, uh, they're, they're, they also they're wall defense. They're big on wall. Necessarily, are they shown yet in House of the Dragon? No, but they exist. The, the wall has been constructed at this point. There are Night's Watchmen, and honestly, at this point. They're more renowned than they are when we see them in Game of Thrones. They're a much more formidable force. So I'm going to go yeah. with uh, the Night's Watch. Which Actually, this is probably the heyday of, of the Night's Watch, at least during the Targaryen reign. During their season. dynasty? Because um, Jaehaerys and, um, well, I can't believe I'm forgetting his wife's name. Anyways, they visited the wall and gifted them a ton of land, uh, Newcastle. That's so right. They really just got bolstered up. That's awesome. So that's cool. So that thank you for uh, validating my pick. I appreciate that. The Starks were good too, Chris. I want you to know that. Um, yeah. Well, just remember the Stark pick once we when, when we get the later season. It, the Stark pick's going to come up huge, and honestly, the Westerling pick's great as well. Let's go with running back. Um, so we'll go Snake. So you you lead us off this time. Oh wow! You're just giving it to me. And speaking of Snake, my running back is going to be Corliss. Corliss Valerian. That guy oh, knows how to split. Snake. He knows how to split the gaps. He knows how to read. Uh, the tides. He knows how to like. Oh, that's. He's like, look at. It's like it's a defender. No, it's an island, and I'm gonna crash into it. No, I'm not. Boom, go around it. He knows how to sail around the gaps. I like it. I like it. All right, I'm gonna take Kristen Cole as my running back. Um, you know, he he's 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 a rusher. He, he gets he gets a lot of uh, tough yardage. You know, he's very. You put him in on the goal line, and he's gonna score. Lower the shoulder pads, kind of guy. Exactly. All right, Kenzie, who's your running back? Okay, for my running back, I chose Damon Targaryen. He proved he ran it. A of, ran a hell of a route. He's last got that time. speed, man. Man, yeah, he's, he was he was running through guys. He couldn't <laughs> Not even arrows could take him down. <laughs> yeah, seriously, he was great. All right, so then That's it's back to pick. you, back to you, Kenzie, with your wide receiver. Okay, where did it go? Wide receiver. Uh, my man, Lenor Valerian. Damn, that's who I was going to take. Yeah? Okay. Feel like he's no, you get it. That's how drafts work. He's got to live with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he flies. He flies. He flies. He's in the air. He's, he's literally got that shit. speed. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with Marinus Valerian. Mm. Um, you know, the queen that never was, she, she rides Malus, who is, or I guess Malis, I guess would be the name of the dragon, the Red Queen. So she's flying around too, but she also flies around at court. She's she's behind closed doors, listening, saying stuff. So we're in on Rainies. I'm gonna go with Rhaenyra, another dragon rider. She's she's got that speed. She can stretch the defense. Uh, you saw it. You saw it on. on the, you saw it on episode two when she wasn't supposed to go to Dragonstone, but next thing you know, she's at Dragonstone. So she knows how to you know air raid offense. She's got it going on. Uh, which leads me to my quarterback pick, which is, first off, there's only one right answer for quarterback, and I'm taking him, all right? And it's the man who can see the field. He knows gonna, all the moves. You're going to suck out of his dick here. He can see the field. He can read the field. He knows where everybody's going, and it's the best character we've seen between the, both shows, Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon. Tywin Lannister Ooh. couldn't lick this man's boots. Otto Hightower. The guy's a G. I love Otto. Ooh. I'm team Otto. Ooh. Those boos are cheers. Those you boos say, are cheers. You say his name at the draft in New York, and he's getting booed. Just like oh, he definitely out. is. But I'm I'm happy, and I got the jersey. <laughs> all right. Well, um, I guess all my all the people I had for quarterback have been taken off the board. Um, so I'm gonna have to kind of pull one out of my out of my arse here. Um, <laughs> I guess I'll go with. Oh man, I don't like I don't like any of these picks right now. I guess I'll uh... get creative. I guess I'll, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know here. Um, I guess I'll just go with uh, Tyler Lannister. I like that pick. 
he's uh he he is a very influential character in this game so he'll lead us he'll lead us to victory at some point or he'll get fucking murdered by a dragon i guess time will tell it could go either way <laughs> kenzie who's your quarterback okay um i like there are very few characters now that i can remember yeah so, same um i'm gonna go with sir harold wet no wait no wait. sir harwin strong because his name is break bones yeah the son he, yeah break bones yeah supposedly yeah i guess no one took harwin yeah yeah, so I'm gonna go with if he's strong, he can throw a ball pretty far. So well, he'd be like, if you strong, I'm strong. We strong then. Strong, strong then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah. I mean, I thought my strats was solid until then, because you guys took everyone. So, but that's all right. Also, remember, if you guys are keeping tally at home, that I was the only one in the snake that didn't get two back-to-back picks, so I really got screwed. You did, yeah. You, me, be, being yeah. sandwiched was a tough spot, but also your team is getting your team is getting a, a high pick next year because they're going 0 for 16 this year. <laughs> <laughs> or, I guess, 17 now. Uh, well, Ken's you mentioned early on in, in, uh, in our pre-production meeting that uh, – you had some hot takes that you wanted to throw out there for us. Yeah, we we covered a few of them, but a couple last ones, last ones. We um, have question. I have I have one hot take. They're kind of all questions, so I'll just roll through them. Okay, rock them. Um, one pugs pugs exist in Westeros. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> what 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 pugs can't exist in, in Westeros? Yeah, they're descended like <laughs> dire wolves bred with like you know a smaller dog and a smaller dog and a smaller dog. Children of the forest. Yeah, and it's pug. <laughs> All the way to pug. Okay, cool. That's fine. Yeah, we for sure. <laughs> to where was Caraxes? Where was Damon's dragon for the battle on the sub- like the beach? He was there early on. He didn't ride him into battle on the second one, so he didn't. Caraxes didn't go in riderless. I guess would how I'd be. I, how I'd answer that because Damon was going as like the sacrifice to draw out the army. Chris, does that sound right? Okay. Yeah, I wonder if because like in Game of Thrones, Daenerys had the whole mother dragons vibe, so they would like come and protect their sort of deal. I think Caraxes is more of a wily sort of dragon, and he was alive before Damon was, so I don't know that. Like, if he's not riding Caraxes, I don't know that Caraxes is going to have that protective... Caraxes uh, is like, I don't owe you shit, man, all right? (laughs) I don't owe you shit. He backed him up on the bridge. Yeah, that is a good point, too. Well, he he might have just been there, Marard. I don't know that he... I I don't know. They ran out of of CGI. Could have been. (laughs) Fresh out of CGI. They open the they open the cabinet. They're like, "There's no more fucking CGI in here." <laughs> We're fresh out. Um, okay, so that was that was my hot takes. But there was one thing, you guys. I don't think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you really at least dove deep on this. Um, was in the first episode, Viserys is talking to Rhaenyra, and he brings up the prophecy of a song and ice and fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you guys talk? in depth about this or not, you- not in depth but we touched on it and we talked about okay. how it's setting up the we, we talked about how it didn't survive generations because let's just say it might not survive this war that prophecy getting passed down from person to person yeah. uh and it definitely didn't pass down from the mad king to robert baratheon yeah okay so but my like the reason they brought it up has to be super intentional right because they create this world and they brought up a prophecy for a reason and i think probably more than just to make a nod to the at first i thought it was a nod but then next week on house of the dragon she brings up the prince that's promised again she talks about it so that's what has me curious as well i agree with you chris what do you think of that my my take on it is that they are weaving all the series together with the song of ice and fire and you know, otherwise you could have like so many individual stories and, you know, for some of the ones that are in different time pieces or some of the ones that are supposed to be set in SLs, at least in part, you won't have the same family names. So you have to kind of have a tying factor yeah. of this, of this whole world. So I, that, that's what I'm assuming it is, but I also didn't want to dwell on it too much in, in our coverage of episode one, because it made me think of how disappointing Makes the ending sad. of Game of Thrones was. Yeah. 
Okay, so that's that's why I bring this up, not to dwell on the disappointment, but because I think it was a very intentional choice, and they could have had that prophecy, which was not previously mentioned, say anything they wanted. And instead of ending it with, like, something vague, they've made a very specific point about a Targaryen must be seated on the throne to unite the realm. He continues, uh, the the secret has been passed down, yada, yada. But, like, they they specifically say that. So Mm -hmm. I'm wondering... If perhaps this is a tee up for the Jon Snow. Oh my goodness. Could be. Could be. And if there's some other like darkness, because he says the exact quote was a terrible winter winter gusting out of the distant north. Darkness. Aegon saw absolute darkness riding on those wings, and whatever dwells within will destroy the house of the living. So, like, it's vague enough that it could be something else. Like, I think there, it could also be the night King, but I think that choosing to say a Targaryen on the throne is the only thing that can save us was very intentional. Yeah. And I think Jon Snow being a Targaryen, there's still an ending that could tie up there. That could be satisfying. True. And I think too, like other than like the main story arcs of house of the dragon, any little things like that, that they leave open, uh, HBO is just going to be salivating and chomping at the bit for because you're a big MCU fan. I know, Kins. That's that's sort of their intention with HBO and, and and specifically the Westeros world, as me and Chris have touched on, kind of a nauseum is that they intend to build out this universe. So maybe that is something that they're that they're intent on doing. That's my prediction. Gotta just document it. <laughs> we'll we'll keep that one in the in the memory bank again. We need the cha-ching noise to do the memory banking. Um, I yeah, you know, I just I'm I'm over whatever. We'll 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 end it on that. I'm over the fucking Jon Snow. You know, did Danny give me give me other stuff? Give me Otto. Talk about it. Anymore. No, don't, don't. All right, we'll end on that. We'll end on that one. Kenzie, thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you guys. Long time listener, first time appearance. Appreciate it. First of uh, hopefully many. Yeah. Also, thank you for the, your work on the TikTok of Dethrone's Pod. No problem. I took a couple videos while we were filming or recording. So. Hell yeah, uh, I'm good, Chris. How are you doing? You good? I'm great. Um, as always, like, share, subscribe. Um, we appreciate everything, and please continue to give us your feedback on the episodes and our posts and everything else in between yeah for sure and allison hit me up uh i I could be your tight end (laughs) (laughs) is she pegging you what all right (laughs)